0: Welcome to History Makers. I'm your host, Matt Prater. Today we're talking with a guy that my daughter has idolised for many years. Uh, when she was younger, my daughter Lydia used to watch this video called Remember the Lord. And they used to think this guy's pretty talented. Welcome to History Makers, Colin Buchanan.
1: Thank you very much, Matt. I feel a little overblown being in History Makers. I'm not sure what history I'm necessarily making, but here I am. I'm yours.
0: Now, Colin, we should um, first introduce to the listeners a little bit about what you do. Now, how many years have you been on Play School for?
1: Well, I started Play School in 93. Uh, I was on Play School for um 8 or 9 years uh, making uh Play School programs on ABC television and um and those and those shows that I made, some of them still go to air. So I'm I'm a little older than I was when I did those. In fact, one of them I had a um I dislocated my shoulder. This is some years ago, but uh and, and I that was on the weekend. Um, being a silly boy, uh, down at the beach, trying to skim my bodyboard, which is, I was, just had no idea. And, um, uh, and I had a play school the following day and they said, well, I suppose, okay, well you should do it, I guess, if you're happy to do it. So I, I, there I was with my arm strapped up doing play school one handed with, um, with Trish Goddard, who was one of the other presenters. And, um, and, and of course play school repeats. So for years and years after that, people would say, um, oh, what have you done to your arm? Colin, you know. Uh, But kids wouldn't get the, you know, wouldn't think that it was the same show. They'd say, oh, look, Colin's hurt his arm again. Yeah, as if I was, you know, a serial arm hurter. But, uh, yeah, so play school's been repeated, but in more recent times, I've been on the Disney channel with Playhouse Disney, and um, that's with Monica Trappiger and King, and that's been on the Seven Network as well nationally. So I've been blessed to have uh, the opportunity to, you know, be on TV and, and learn some of the, you know, the trade. Unlike drama, which is ignore the camera, you know, children's television in this case is give the camera your attention. Remembering the child at the other end of the lens and... Uh, you know just learning the script delivering all that in a really natural and enjoyable way is something that uh I've I've been you know I really appreciate the opportunity that's come to me to be involved in kids television for all these years.
0: Now you've obviously done a lot of TV, and uh, your country music. You, you've been, uh, you've recorded some country music albums, and you've also been writing a lot for a lot of country artists lately. Who have you been writing with?
1: Well, uh, Lee Kernigan and I have collaborated on quite a number of his albums since his um, actually since his second album. I've uh, been blessed to have a, a role with Lee. That was a real privilege to be involved in that process. V- very enjoyable and uh, a great. I'm really happy with the songs that we've come up with. And I've co-written with, um, you know, Adam Brand and Troy Cassadaly and uh, Becky Cole. Yeah, a bunch of, bunch of the country music dudes. that. Uh, and and I re- I, what I enjoy, I think, about uh, co-writing is, um, even though it's, it's back room, people sort of think I haven't been involved in country music because I haven't released a country album for, for about three or four years. But... Um, Uh, It's you come up with a song in a co-write situation that you would never have written on your own, and that's true for everyone in the room. So it's always quite exciting to come up with something you think, wow, you know, I had a hand in that, but I couldn't have written that on my
0: own. Now, I know that my daughter has been impacted by your videos and CDs and DVDs over the years. She's got to learn a lot of scriptures, and had an understanding of God from a very young age because of uh, your Christian albums and uh, other artists like Rockfish uh, as well. Tell me, um, why is it such a big part of your ministry that you reach out to children? Well, it sort of happened,
1: and it happened very early in my uh, uh, mu- music musical endeavours, if you want to call them that, because um, uh, I was uh, learning to play the guitar in church and Sunday school and involved in uh, youth group and it just felt natural to, to write songs. And so I just dabbled in that. And then, um, it, it wasn't until I'd released my first three country albums that I thought, oh, maybe the time's right to, um, in fact, I'd released four country albums. I thought well, maybe the time's right to, to, to record some of these songs. And I'd learned a bit about the recording process. So I released Remember the Lord, uh, my first album of kids, Christian songs in 1996 and did that independently and. You know, I, I went into uh, to Koorong Books before I'd even released it. I said, look, I'm thinking of doing this record, you know. Would you support it or, would you You know, is that something you think would be, you know, go okay? They said, oh, look, yeah, you know, we'd support it and, you know. Anyway, uh, I still remember getting the call two days after their catalogue came out and the fella said, we've created a monster and it's called Colin Buchanan. You know, we'd, I was going to do a little in-store in the corner of the kids' department and they said, we've had, you know... Over a hundred people ring up saying they want to come you know we can 't do it in the corner of the kids department and uh, you know and i'd done my sums with this little independent release I need to you know just sell this many to cover my costs and um, and uh, you know he immediately ordered more of those and it just it just took off the Lord really blessed it and um, and it just felt i suppose the the reason behind all that wasn't because people were buying it but it just has always felt like a natural thing to do. It's a little inexplicable, I suppose. To, if you said to a a preacher, why do you why do you preach and not sing? Or you know, someone who's just a real pastor and a counselor, what what is it that attracts you to that? Perhaps it's a little inexplicable in the end. It's just you know, God gives gifts, and you get drawn you know in obedience to Him to want to use those gifts for Him. I mean, you know, kids. I remember performing one time in Sydney on, uh, on stage at Parramatta Park and it was a celebration of ABC Radio and uh, there were thousands of people there and Bananas in Pyjamas were going to be on. And I was on before them,, <laughs> Oh, what a gig and uh, and and the rain was threatening, so the the crowd was turning a little ugly as these sort of fillers were there, and they were really they really wanted to see bananas and This one kid, who was about eight or nine was sitting on the edge of the stage next to the fallback uh, speaker, and I was singing a song, just really trying to you know get it out there and struggling a bit, and he looked up at me and said, "Get off <laughs> <laughs> just get off I think kids. Don't, they've got no pretense, you know. If they want you to get off, they'll just say get off. And if they're having a good time, they will. You just try and keep the lid on them. They, you can't, you know. So I love the honesty of children, and you know Jesus commended the faith of children. And um, and I think it it didn't mean that we're all to sort of stay as children in one sense, but uh, certainly in terms of just the ability to trust God and just take Him on face value. He's the creator of the world he's the king of all, my life belongs to him, uh, you know, come to him in faith, even though you're, you know, you're sick, you're broken, you're sinful, you know, you don't always do the right thing, uh, just come as a child, and he says, I'll forgive you, and kids can take that on face value, in fact, Jesus is even more outrageous in the scriptures when he doesn't just take a child, but he takes a baby, and uh, and his disciples are trying to keep the babies away, you know, it's like, let's get on with the serious stuff, and he takes that baby in his arms and says, this is how you've got to be to, to be part of the kingdom of God.
0: Now, tell me a little bit about your faith. Uh, you were born in Ireland uh, and uh, emigrated to Australia at the age of six. Um, when did you become a Christian? Was there a deciding moment? You know, we were always around
1: churches for as long as I could remember. We went to a, a Presbyterian church in, um, in Ireland. And um, uh, so my family were churchgoers. I can remember learning Psalm 23 as a five-year-old. There were exams in Sunday school. They were the good old days. I <laughs> had to work down the mine, I did. <laughs> but I did learn, you know, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Uh, he leads me beside still waters. And I um, think good words to learn as a child, aren't they? And um, uh, we came to Australia. Our family went to church. Um, I was attracted to the things of God. I can remember the little stories. And presentations in Sunday school where, uh, you know, the suggestion of just giving your life to God was given, and I always thought, well, that's yep, that's what I want to do. Um, uh, not in any you know really deep way, in a sense, just in a very childlike way. And it wasn't until I had a Sunday school teacher who really probably explained it to me quite clearly that you know, by nature, you're an enemy of God, and I suppose you grow up to the point of realizing there's a decision to make. You can't uh, simply inherit faith from someone else you've got to make that decision for yourself and so as a you know just a little 10 or 11 year old boy I saw that uh you know I I, God had uh made the first move in terms of peace with him through his son and and that was something I needed to really appropriate by faith and you know the consequence of that would be life and the consequence of rejecting him would be death so what do you choose and for me it was like uh chocolate you know (laughs) how could you not choose to you know and i know for other people that's not how they feel about it they have other questions but for me it was um very clear that i wanted to be god's friend i wanted peace with god and and this is a free gift i just couldn't ignore no, anyway that that's the short answer Do you want the long one
0: <laughs> <laughs> now there might be people listening right now that are thinking hey that sounds good i'd like to become a christian what would they do
1: you just—if uh, they were floating in the water and gulping in, couldn't swim, and and uh, the storm was blowing around them, and the life ring was bobbing next to them, they'd know exactly what to do. They'd just reach for that, and um, and uh, the way you reach for Jesus is through faith. You'd, I think a lot of people might think, "Oh, yeah, you know, I'm a pretty good person," and uh, and you just compensate for, you know, or Jesus compensates your performance just makes up the shortfall. You've got 50% or you've got 80% and he just tops it up maybe. But, um, you got to realize that we're just gulping for, we're gulping for air and we're sinking below the surface. And that's the predicament of sin. You know, it's funny that people get offended by the thought that they're not acceptable to God. And yet we'll all say, oh, well, no one's perfect. Um, but the family of God is a family of imperfect people made perfect before him, so uh, that 's he throws the life ring that 's forgiveness in Jesus, and you just grab that ring by faith, although you deserve to sink to the bottom. He pulls you aboard the ship and you find that he makes you a, a prince and a you know a fellow heir with Christ of the great inheritance of life, assured of um, of the hope of heaven, and then in the meantime. The gospel. I was talking to a friend who's been over to Russia and um, sharing this message, uh, you know, the message of Jesus. And the gospel, the good news, if you like, transforms people. It makes better husbands of husbands and it makes better wives and it makes people stop stealing and um, it makes, uh, you know, it brings purpose to life now. And in situations, you know, I don't know if you know the story, but you know, when Jesus was crucified, he was hanging on a cross, he was close to death and on both sides were were thieves uh, who were being crucified. <laughs> they, they deserved it. He didn't. And one of them was, was criticizing Jesus and mocking him. And the other just said, remember me, in paradise and uh jesus said today you'll be with me in paradise and so other people reach out to god just at the last moment and uh and he bestows all those things upon them you know as he did the thief on the cross and uh so it's great hope it's hope for life now and blessing for life now and it's blessing for all eternity
0: you spent some time in burke in a community a faith community Uh, i love the sound of that it sounds like the book of acts to me tell us about what it was like well, yeah, the the,
1: uh, the book of Acts talks about believers living, uh, you know, in a community and sharing their goods in common and, uh, and each sharing with each other as they had need. And um, uh, it's difficult to do that in our society where we have our houses or our apartments uh, and we live quite separate lives and perhaps Christians come together, you know, on Sundays and when they go to Bible studies. Um, we, we were living in a community. We didn't need to uh, sign all our goods, worldly goods, over to everyone or anything. We worked part-time to support ourselves. It was called Cornerstone Community. Uh, it was based on a cotton farm out uh, at Burke, and they have a number of communities um, around Australia. And um, our, our intention in going there was to, um, to get serious about our faith to learn more about it, because we had lectures there where we just studied the Bible and um, and strategies for Christian living and uh, and living in close proximity to people. As everyone knows, anyone who's been part of a family, it it brings tensions and difficulties and conflicts, and you need to learn how to resolve those, and you need to learn what's important and what isn't, and um, and all those you know rub, iron sharpening iron, if you like, and rubbing off on one another. That's that, that all happened in in the the community. It was a wonderful time on the back of the bus. Uh, that that was the, the, the community owned. It said, "Let your natural life be spiritual, and your spiritual life be natural." And I think that's a—it's not a Bible quote, but uh, I suppose if you would, would quote the Bible, it says, "Whatever you do, whether in word or word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him." And so, it was a great help for us to think about what shape that might take in our lives. And now, nearly twenty years later, uh, you know, we've got a family and. It's. I think that's part of our legacy that we really value.
0: Now, you're busy with songwriting, performing, traveling, raising four kids, uh, doing all the things you do. How important is your prayer life, your personal time with God to you? Well, I've had a bit of a breakthrough lately, if I can share that with you.
1: And uh, and I, I try and think of a nice way to put it that, that doesn't sound kitsch, but I haven't come up with one yet. If you asked a lot of Christians, you know, what's what do you struggle with? Perhaps they'd say, oh, just praying is difficult you know, to, to be consistent in, and um, I've got a song about arrow prayers, which I think is a great comfort that, you know, there are prayers in the Bible that aren't long and weighty, but they're really quick, and they're just, you know, prayers, quick prayers, desperate prayers sometimes, and God hears those, and I think there's comfort in that as well. But um, there's been a couple of things that, around me that really irritate me, and one is there 's a bunch of kids, for instance this might be helpful to some people there's, there's kids who catch a train and they get off the train to walk down to the local high school and when you 're driving out, they just amble they 're like cows out of the paddock there 's hundreds of them, and they walk in the middle of the road and they 're throwing a ball to each other and they, you can sit behind the wheel of the car and think, oh, these kids they, why don 't they use the footpath that it's there for and they don really, 't don 't give a hoot about me and I just thought that 's not what Jesus thought when he saw the crowds he, he said the they're like sheep without a shepherd, and he wept for Jerusalem uh, because uh, you know God was longing to gather them together like a mother hen gathers her chicks under her wing, and um, and I thought, well, that's. That's what he thought about people in a group. So that's I'm going to start praying for these people. So rather than just being irritated by them, uh, I'll, I'll thank God for their energy and their youth. I'll pray that he'd, uh, he'd bless them and break through in their lives, the ones who are suffering, that they'd know his comfort, the ones who know him, that they'd be strong to say, you know, to live lives given to the Lord. Uh, I'd pray for their teachers and their part that uh, the kids would play in society as they leave school, all these things. And it just, so that became a cue, and there's been a a couple of irritations. Another one's model planes. They fly near my place, and I was getting so annoyed with them. And I thought, no, I'm going to pray for the, People who fly the planes call Mission Aviation Fellowship. This is only a couple of weeks ago. I thought, no, rather than get irritated, which I have for years by these things, every time I hear them, I'm going to pray for Mission Aviation Fellowship. And it's it's like then now when I hear them, I think, gee, the Lord must really want me to pray for them. And I've heard of. There was a crash recently, Uh, one of their fellows was killed, had a family of four, you know, a very sad thing, and he gave his life for the Lord, and he's got the hope of heaven, and his wife has the hope of, and she's articulated it, that there's purpose in everything that happens, because uh, God has his hand and control on it all, even the hard things, and uh, I thought, well, how important to pray for her, her name's Esther, and so it's just interesting in prayer that irritations turned into and this is where I try not to be kitsch, but supplication, if you like, bringing requests to God. And uh, that's, so that's been a little breakthrough for me in the last you know few weeks.
0: Well, Colin, you certainly are a history maker, uh, not in just my daughter's eyes, but my eyes too. <laughs> Thank you so much uh, for joining us today on History Makers. And I might just ask, what's, what's your favourite Colin Buchanan song that you've ever done? And could you sing just a bit of it for us? All right. If you stub your toe when you get out of bed and you slip
1: in the shower and you knock your head. If you miss your brekkie and your bike ties flat. If the dog eats your lunch and you step on the cat, sound of cat go.
0: Meow.
1: Remember the Lord, oh, remember that he is in control. Remember the Lord, oh, he's watching his children and he cares, oh, remember the Lord, oh. Oh, yeah.
0: Well, let's let's <laughs> take this band on the road. <laughs> Thank you, Colin Buchanan. Bless you, mate. Have a great day. History. Thank you so much for joining us, History Makers. For more information, you can go to historymakersradio.com. You can download any of their interviews and also an opportunity for you to make a donation. History Makers is brought to you by NewHopeAustralia.org. History Makers.